Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let's, let's, let's start over here. Okay, welcome to episode 274 of the Falcolic Live. I'm Rose Gimmon. I'm joined by my co-host. He is Adnan Ikich at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, I will not lie to you. My attention is also slightly focused on the Atlanta Hawks right now. So yes. we're pulling double duty at the moment. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm wearing my Hawks shirt too. Oh, there you go. Yep. Represent. Yep. We, uh, we, we've had multiple difficulties today. I know Eric was trying to make uh, a dent in his Super Bowl coverage schedule to, to be here, but ended up getting pulled into overtime. So Eric will actually not be here tonight, unfortunately, but Adnan stepped up to the plate. Of course, we're going to have lots of quarterback takes for you guys tonight. And we got a lot to talk about, obviously, because this is the biggest remaining question for the Falcons left, which is what does this team do at quarterback? We know most of the coaching staff. Now we, we have maybe a, a general idea, but even that not really <laughs> at this stage, uh, because you know, obviously, Zach Robinson, the thought is, oh, well, it'll be a Sean McVay offense. And it might be, you know, but it might not be. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll sort of see uh, how it develops. But we're going to ch- take a look at the options, right? We're going to take a look at the veteran market, the trade market, uh, and, of course, the NFL draft, uh, where, you know, I know there's a lot of high hopes to potentially get someone. But we'll, we'll go over the reasons why certain options may be more likely than others and what our favorites are. And, uh, we, we will go from there, but before, before we dive in real quick, let me bring you guys quick word from this week's sponsor, betonline.ag guys, you know, the Super Bowl is coming, you know, and there's going to be lots of juicy prop bets, lots of juicy lines for you guys to take advantage of. And betonline.ag is the place to be for those bets. No matter what you want to bet on, guys, our partner, BetOnline, is your number so- number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of Gatorade that'll be in the bath at the end, BetOnline is your number one source for your chair. That is a real thing, by the way. That is a real prop. Yeah, I know That's for a great. fact. Yeah. Not- um, if you're betting on the color of the Gatorade, let's... <laughs> you have a problem. <laughs> you know, let, let, let's call the hotline at that yeah. point, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hope NY, I believe, uh, you know, for, for New York. But, uh, guys, no matter what... Um... I think I also saw um, the coin toss bet does not give you 50-50 odds. Yeah. So the coin like... toss bet is like minus 110, which is like... Why would you bet on the coin toss at less than fifty percent? Right, because the because the the house always wins. That's why. Uh, it's but, like the roulette table at that point. Mm-hmm. But guys, no matter what, Bet Online is your number one source for your NFL championship wagering. So head to that site, BetOnline.ag, and join today to get in on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. All right, Adnan. Well, I figured we'd we'd start the night off with with the veteran market um <laughs> we got a, a five dollar from Corey carter coming in saying if he took a shot every time morris said cool i'm sorry you are dead <laughs> hashtag 2024 very real. yeah let's did you get a chance to watch the the morris presser on i saw some of it okay. i didn't i didn't watch the full the whole thing um i did 
I didn't watch the whole thing the way that I watched the McKay Blank one, but I think I watched the or listened to the whole thing there live just out of pure rage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the Morris one was a lot more, you know, less less angry. Yeah. You know, watching it like okay, like this is cool. I think the only person that was angry was Dealey because you know, <laughs> he interfered with his Super Bowl duties, so that's why he was very pissy about it. So yeah. Duke's one on Twitter. <laughs> yes, now we fully understand why uh, D-Lev was so upset about that. I was also trying to figure that out. But let yeah, just real quick before we dive into quarterback, uh, what did you think of, of Raheem? I mean, we, we were familiar with him a little bit, obviously, from his days in Atlanta, but he wasn't really a public-facing part of the team at that stage. I mean, the occasional press conference as the D.C., but for most of his tenure here, you know, was behind the scenes. Um, what did you think uh, about our, our first look at, at Raheem in the head coach chair? I mean, it's it's not what, what we expected. Very energetic, very charismatic. Um, you, you know, you can sort of see, you, you can sort of see why he inspires so much confidence in, in, in all of those around him. Um, everyone, you know, leading up to, to this hire had nothing but good things to say about him, all of his current players, or now current players, all of his former players. You know, he's sort of, he sort of radiates the energy and it, it does sort of remind me of, of Dan Quinn when he first got here. And, you know, I, I know that Dan Quinn ended up, you know, having some good years and some bad years here, but just as a person, you can sort of see why people are so drawn to him. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, right now it's, well, it's February now, it's not January anymore, but we're talking about press conferences now. Um, you know, you can win the press conference all you want. At this point, I'm not interested in that anymore. I, I'm interested in, you know, can you win the games? Because, you know, there are some head coaches that were really, really good at winning the press conference. The first one that comes to mind is, is Rex Ryan I, with the Jets, with the Bills. Remember that. But at, at the end of the day, you know, none of this will really matter no matter what happens. Nobody's going to look back and be like, oh, that Raheem Morris press conference back in February. But we're still talking about it either way because you know we have nothing else to talk about. Whereas the clock is ticking until free agency. And right now is sort of that little mini dead period that you get uh, in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, it's I agree. Like the press conference is never that important. You know, it's it's more like a a way to see how the coach is going to interact with the media. What can we expect? You know, how is a coach going to interact with the fans? What's their sort of vibe? And it, it was a fun press conference. And, and, you know, the things you look for, it's not like you're not gleaning really any schematic or other things from these sorts of press conferences. It's more of like a general vibe. And the vibes are good. I mean, you could tell, like, the thing that really stood out, you could tell how excited he was to get this job. Like, this job, I think, meant a lot to him. And I think he was really excited to, to take on the Falcons head coaching job. And you could tell, you know, being the first black head coach in Atlanta was a big deal to him. And, and, you know, I, I'm really glad that he's getting this opportunity. It's long overdue, obviously. And um excited to see Raheem here in Atlanta. And I, I think he, he said obviously all the right things and um the enthusiasm at this point is high, but I feel like there's a maturity too with Raheem. Like you can, you know, it, as a former head coach and someone who's been through a lot, you know, I, I think this will be a different experience for Falcons fans because the last three head coaches have all been first time head coaches in the NFL. 
So now going to Morris, who did have the opportunity to fail earlier in his career. And honestly, like, it's a little bit overblown. I mean, he did get that disgusting Bucks roster with Josh Freeman to 10 wins one year, which I think is maybe flying a little bit under the radar as an accomplishment. But he squeezed four wins out of that Falcons team in uh, in 2020, which I think is another accomplishment. But, you know, it's – he seems excited. I think he, he's a mature coach, which is weird when you're talking about a guy that's, like, still not even 50, that he's got all this experience as a head coach without even being 50 years old. Um, so I, I, I thought it was a good conference. I think he, he, he did what he needed to do. I love the enthusiasm. I love the respect for the city and, and the culture here. Um, to me, the big takeaway though, was Fontenot making it really clear that he was leading the coaching search, which was not the, the vibe that we got. And I don't know if it started that way to be clear, but it sounds like it finished that way. And that I mean, does I, make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, Terry Fontenot is the biggest winner outside of Raheem Morris himself. Um, who, you know, did get his uh, second shot at, at being a, a full-on head coach and who got a five-year contract. So you, you can tell that Arthur Blank and the Falcon staff really believe in him. Um, outside of Raheem Morris, Terry Fontenot is the big winner in all of this. I would love to know what happened between that, you know, the end of the season and now, because Terry Fontenot went from not even being in the press conference after the season to now being like, you know, he has, it's exactly what we wanted uh, at the end of the season where, you know, he has full autonomy as the general manager. He and Raheem Morris are going to work together on it, obviously, but it feels like they really have that chemistry between them. They have that energy between them. And, you know, it feels like they really, really are excited to work with each other. Um, I don't know what happened. Like, was it some Game of Thrones type stuff <laughs> where Terry Fontenot, like, you know, made some moves and ended up winning this power struggle against Rich McKay to the point where Rich McKay's not even with the Falcons anymore. Like, right. Rich McKay got moved over to the Atlanta United. Um, but, you know, th- this is just all me speculating. But, man, I would love to know the timeline of everything that happened behind the scenes because it felt like after that post-season press conference, it felt like Rich McKay was going to have a very, very large hand with this organization moving forward. And I just want to know what happened within a month for for it to go from, all right, everyone, like, Coach and GM are going to answer to McKay to all of a sudden, all right, Rich, you're no longer with the Falcons. Like, go, go, you know, go with the soccer team. Right. I mean... Obviously, the the vi- like the whoever put together that press conference after Arthur Smith's firing probably deserved a lot of flack because that was ugly. It was a bad press conference. We talked about it a lot. We're not going to go to the details of it, but like it was a bad press conference. It was a bad look. Uh, they seemed to be shocked that they got grilled about certain things, and they seemed shocked that people were upset that Fontenot wasn't there and the message that sends and all this stuff. Um, and it was a bad way to start the offseason. And I wonder if that whole press conference and all that stuff maybe was more Rich McKay's decision-making. And, and that was part of the reason why they, they decided to move on. But the reaction to Rich McKay, it's always been kind of ridiculous in my opinion. I mean, I know that he wasn't a great GM, obviously, when he was 
making decisions for the Falcons in that regard. But like, how much power does he actually have? Is he really that involved? We we won't ever really know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. But to me, that was kind of a weird thing to latch onto. I understand fans really dislike him. I mean, we're fans too. I just don't personally have that issue with him. But he was becoming a distraction. Like it was constant topic on social media. Like. Oh, McKay, get rid of McKay. What's he doing? All this stuff. And I wonder if the the team was like, okay, like this is becoming too much of a distraction. We just need to move on. Like we need to like make this no longer a distraction. Would you know, let's let's move this along. Um so I wonder, you know, I don't know if it had something to do with the reaction to that, something to do with the press conference itself, something to do with how the initial process was handled. I mean, it's odd because I think what we thought was that Rich McKay would get supplanted if Bill Belichick came in because Belichick was going to clean house and take total control. And it ended up being like the guy that was probably most amenable to working with him got hired. Like we know that Raheem and Rich McKay have like a very good relationship that goes back decades and he still got forced out. So it's kind of a weird series of events there. Um, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, what we know now is moving forward. It's going to be the Morrison Fontenot show. And I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you can sort of, you could sort of tell Terry Fontenot's body language that, you know, he's, you know, more excited than ever uh, moving forward. Uh, I mean, who knows, you know, he did absolutely have his hand in, in his decision-making with Arthur Smith, but who knows how much, you know, agreement, disagreement there was. I'm, I, speculate personally that I think there was some disagreement with some of those draft picks at the very least, given the fact that of where Terry Fontenot comes from, uh, from New Orleans, where they built in the trenches versus Arthur Smith, who probably would have been much more excited to, you know, let, let's say get a tight end at number four, um, get those skill position guys. So, I mean, but at, at the end of the day, that's just, that's just me purely speculating. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Terry Fontenot and Raheem Morris are, are the guys right now. Yeah. Um, they are the decision makers. They, they have that, you know, excuse me for saying, uh, for using a buzzword, but that sort of, it seems like they have that sort of synergy. Um, you know, that's, that's corporate speak. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm excited that they did not give Bill Belichick full personnel control <laughs> yes. Which is apparently what Bill Belichick was looking for, according yeah. to some reports. So, I'm, I'm very happy that Arthur Blank wasn't that desperate. Yeah, me too. And like, that's what we talked about. It was like, oh yeah, I bet he like people were like, oh maybe he's changed, maybe he's like calmed down a little bit, maybe he doesn't you know need full control anymore. And it was the opposite. It was like, no, no, he wants total control. He might want to clear the entire front office out. He's going to clear the whole staff and roster to bring in his guys. And I mean, you guys can go back. I did a whole video on it. You know, is Bill Belichick the right coach for the Falcons? Shout out. It's like one of our most popular videos on the channel. Um, And like, it's, you know, it was a dicey proposition because Bill Belichick would need to come in like a hurricane and sweep out the entire organization to put in his vision for like a two to three year thing. And it's like, by the time he's done installing his legion of, people and and building the roster and his image and all this he's almost going to be retiring so to me it never really made much sense um but you know clearly arthur blank was was taken with him and was excited to hire him and i think 
it might have been Fontenot that was like, hey, please let us play this process out. Let's get through all these interviews and see if you still feel the same way later. And ultimately, I think the patient crowd and, and those guys, they, they did win out. And I think that's for the best. Um, I, I, you know, you know that I, neither of us were Belichick fans. Most of us here at the Falcoholic weren't really Belichick fans in terms of wanting him in Atlanta. So we're, I'm obviously relieved. I know you are too, but, um, you know, I mean, I would have been fine with just Belichick, the coach, but right. you know, that Belichick was never, the GM, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's never a good idea to give someone who's obviously probably going to be here for like three years, max three, four years, max, and then is going to ride off into the sunset full personnel control because it's just going to be a bunch of short-sighted moves. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. One thing, and, you know, I am going to transition us into the topic at hand. <laughs> uh, one thing I did notice in, in the Raheem Morris press conference is when talking about the quarterback position, it, it feels like they know that the answer to the quarterback position is not currently on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, there was not any mention of Desmond Ritter you know, possibly being the guy uh, going into next season. So I, I do think that whether free agency or the draft, it, you know, I, I think that the plan at, at quarterback is not going to be Ritter or Heineke, which, you know, I'm pretty sure most of the fan base is, is pretty happy about. Um, I, now, I don't know what, what will happen. I think Heineke gets released to, uh, oh, yeah. to save that cap cap number. Uh, that would just make sense. I would not mind Desmond Ritter being the backup, but regarding the quarterback position, it seems like they have their they have their plan, they have their sights set on something, but that something is not Ritter or Heineke. Yes, exactly, and I I agree. I mean, we're not really going to spend much time on that, just because the the chances of this team going into next year with Ritter as the starter, without some series of events happening that we can't foresee like a bunch of injuries or whatever. He'll probably be the backup more than likely. And I think that's a good fit for him. I I don't think we should count Ritter out ever being, you know, a a good possible quarterback. Like, I don't think we should do that, but I I do think that it's not going to happen this year. Like he's not going to be the starter unless he gets an opportunity via injury or something like that. Um, But so, so moving on from that possibility, you know, the other guy on the roster is Taylor Heineke. I think we both agree that he's likely to be a cap casualty just because he didn't show enough to be worth that contract and you're probably bringing in new quarterbacks anyway. Um, so let's take a look at, first of all, the free agent options, the veteran free agent options, um, because there aren't many super compelling ones. Um, you know, the big one is Kirk Cousins. And, and right off the top, are you interested at all in, in Kirk Cousins? I mean, every single quarterback option, it'll come with the caveat of, but how much is it going to cost? Right. And, you know, I think Kirk Cousins is in for that last big payday. And I think Kirk Cousins is going to be wanting, you know, 30 plus mil a year. If that's the case, no. Um, Because with Kirk Cousins, again, like I I bring it up, I, I brought it up before we're just sort of glossing over the Achilles injury. Like this is not a small injury that Kirk Cousins had. This is, you know, one of the most devastating injuries you can suffer um, in, you know, in the sport of football in any sport, it's a torn Achilles and he's 36, 37. I know he already wasn't 
that mobile to begin with. But still, you know, quarterback still needs, you know, his Achilles tendon. He still needs, you know, his lower body to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, so, you know, given everything in a vacuum, yes. But given all of the circumstances of the injury, you know, the cost, uh, I would I would probably lean toward no. Yeah, I, I agree for the same reasons. Like, I think where this team is, like, it, on some levels, like, if... It, on some levels, it does make sense, right? It's like, oh, he would fit really well in the Sean McVay offense. He, he's already operating in a similar one under Kevin O'Connell. And um, he's obviously a very talented, very good passer. Like, there's no question in my mind about that. But he's 30. He'll be, I think, 37 or 30. I think he'll be 37 going in at some point in 2024. And he's coming off an Achilles injury at that age is, is not a good setup. And you're going to have to then turn around and give him a big new contract. That's probably going to be north of thirty-five to forty million. No one a guaranteed to like he will yeah. want a lot of money. I mean, he signed the first what fully guaranteed deal. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I know that there's a lot of talk of that Deshaun Watson deal, but Kirk Cousins did it first with Minnesota, even though it was much smaller. Yeah, exactly. And I, I personally don't think he's leaving Minnesota. I, I don't think he'll even be available. Um, so that I think we could kind of move on from that one, but that I know is one that people are interested in. And there are some reasons why it could make sense, but I think it's one of the more risky ones because health and salary cap investment required are pretty extravagant. Um, So let's move on to some of the other names that have been floated. One of them who's not technically a free agent yet would be Russell Wilson. That has been floated around as well that the Broncos are planning to cut him. And there's lots of shenanigans with his contract and stuff like that. But the the take-home message essentially is that this year you could pay Russ very little and he would still make a lot of money. So he may be willing to accept a smaller deal for this first year. Now, more than likely, he's going to have some suitors and want more than a one-year deal. But given everything, you know, with Russ, you know, I, I do think it's somewhat interesting. He He's not significantly younger of course than Kirk Cousins he's 35 but he's not coming off a debilitating injury um and he was I think better this year under Sean Payton than he has been in the past couple years so the question to me is how much does he want and you know is is he going to be able to to do enough to justify whatever cost he's going to demand um so I'm curious that you know how does Russ sound to you is that someone you'd want to pursue. I mean, to me, it's, it's mildly interesting. I'm a little bit more intrigued than Kirk, just because I think the cost will be lower and he could be that ideal sort of two to three year bridge guy, but yeah. it's not one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not my first option by any means, but if you want to go, you want to sort of kick the quarterback can uh, down the road a little bit where, you know, you're not, you're not forcing yourself to have to get the franchise guy right now this offseason. Russell Wilson makes a lot of sense because, you know, it will be a lot cheaper. Like I think someone was asking the question on Twitter, do you want would you take Russ for twelve mil a year? Like, yes. Yeah. Some, yeah. yeah, it's twelve mil a year. Yeah, absolutely. Like like mm-hmm. let, let's get the paperwork started right now. Yeah. Um, because that's that's nothing for a quarterback. That that's you know if a quarterback is making less than some running backs, that's a really good deal because, you know, we know what's going on in the market with running backs. Um, but, yeah, the Broncos will eat 
a lot of money. Like yes. the Broncos. Oh my God. What We're a basically starting guy. over. Yeah. But Sean what? Payton, I think is like, no, I hate Russ. I'm not going to work with him. So like, not only <laughs> did they give those draft picks for him, but that contract that they gave him was a catastrophe mm-hmm. because I think it's going to be, you know, I think if they post June 1st, it, it, it'll be a 25 mil dead cap hit this year. And then again, next year. Yeah. Which is not a, a small amount of money by, by any means. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. With them eating money um, a couple of years. Yeah. I wouldn't give them more than two years guaranteed because I don't see Russell Wilson as a long-term solution to the quarterback uh, position, but also, like you mentioned, Russell Wilson was fine last year. Like he had a solid season. Like he had a very decent year. Mm-hmm. And if this team had Russell Wilson instead of Ritter, yeah, I mean they won the NFC South. Like yeah, it had he sure. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Russell Wilson is. I think he's near the top of my list regarding bridge quarterbacks. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think there would be some intrigue with him coming to Atlanta as well. Yeah, I, he's not a favorite for me. But I think he is one of the ones that I would be okay with just because there, as you guys are going to see as we work through this exercise, there's not a lot. There, there's not really any sure things here. Like, and, and that's kind of what we're going to cover as we get through this exercise is there's, there's no option here that doesn't come with significant questions or fallbacks or, you know, like problems like that. They all have their unique issues. That's the nature of. I mean, that's the nature of anything in, in the sport. Like anyone, any good players are going to cost a lot of money. Um, and the ones that don't cost a lot of money are going to right now cost a lot of, in resources and in investment from the draft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's not, there's not 32 really great options at the quarterback position and there are 32 teams. So there's, a finite amount of resources and you are competing with with half the league for, yeah. for those resources yep so it's it's dicey there's going to be question marks with all these guys so the next the next group of, of veterans this is probably the only the last ones we'll talk about would be like the the mid-range like bridge starter types so you know baker mayfield who i think is clearly staying in tampa um, he's also priced, he's also played himself out of that price range to the point yeah. where I'm thinking and hoping Tampa Bay really overpays him. Oh, I think they're giving him thirty million. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, Baker Mayfield had a really good year, um, but at the same time, like, man, that's that's a lot of money for Baker Mayfield, and yeah. he had a look. Also, you know, I'm I'm going to sound like a hater right now. Take it from someone who was a Rashad White fantasy owner. Baker Mayfield padded padded those stats at the oh, one yeah. yard line. He had stats. so many yeah, of those touchdown passes from the one yard line. It reminded me of Peyton Manning in 2013. Like yeah. they would get to the one, and then you'd see them line up and shotgun. Yeah. Um, but you know, hey, good for Baker. Uh, yeah, good for him. Good for Baker. Um, he's. I I don't think I don't think he'll be available at all. But yeah, yeah Baker 30 mil, Mike Evans 25 mil. Like you know. Sure thing, Tampa. <laughs> yeah. It ain't going to be cheap. Right. No, it's not going to be cheap at all. Um, and that's, that's you know, Tampa Bay's going to be right back into uh, difficult territory with, with those contracts. But the other guys, Gardner Minshew, Josh Dobbs, you know, Tannehill maybe, um, 
Uh, None of these names inspire a lot of confidence. No, like, I mean, Brissett, perhaps, like, you know, I, I don't think anyone's, like, really interested in these guys, but, you know, this would be, like, if you strike out and you don't think you're going to be able to get something better, these are the types of guys you might consider to get you through a year. Um, I know some I people mentioned prefer, Wentz, you know. Yeah, yeah I prefer Minshew in, in that group, to be honest with you, but, yeah, I mean, any of those names, if you're going into week one, it, it just sort of, you know, it sort of gives me those Mariota vibes in, in yeah. 2022. Like, you know, you're going into week one with this, you know, let's let's be honest, you're washed up or aging starter, right. former starter who, you know, is probably one of, going to be one of the maybe five worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. Um, but, you know, he'll be a veteran, so he probably won't turn the ball over as much um is but but he won't really elevate your roster and it'll just be another year of all right we're punting this toward next year but also next year if you are you are expected to be better this coming season and next year it may be more difficult you know in the draft for example or in free agency um because i i don't know if you'll have I haven't really looked at the numbers. I think the cap number won't be as high next next season for the Falcons, or that they won't have as much cap space because you, you still have the Lindstrom um, contract that's elevating. You have the AJ Terrell you know contract which is upcoming, and your draft pick will you know if you hopefully win the division, your draft pick will be in the late teens, you know early twenties, and then it's much much more difficult to make a move than making a move from eight. So. It, you know, punting for a year, it's not necessarily the best option either. Yeah, no, it's not. I don't I don't love any of these options. I mean, I maybe like, you know, if you strike out Gardner Minshew, maybe, but, you know, maybe Josh Dobbs because he's at least entertaining. It's going to be a complete wild ride every time. But, you know, he's at least entertaining. He kept that Cardinals team watchable for like eight weeks. So, um, but yeah. And then I, he was fine with uh, with minnesota until he turned into a pumpkin which yeah. it always inevitably happens like it these yep. you know these guys start playing and there's no film there's really not that much film on them and i mean there was on on dobbs but you know someone like a, a browning in, in cincinnati for example you know they play great for a couple of weeks the fan base is like oh we cracked the code you know what we got this really cheap option he's going to lead us to greatness and then you know he throws four picks yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, the veterans, you know, I think maybe Russ we're, we're looking at is maybe the best option of the veterans, but we'll, we'll see obviously if he even gets cut. The next option option would be the trade market. And you got, you know, if you've listened to this, you, you've listened to us talk before, you know, I'm a fan of, of the Justin Fields trade. It's rumored to be about a second will be the asking price. Maybe a little bit more. You might need like a future fourth as a pot sweetener or something like that. Um, but keep in mind, Atlanta's second is early in the order. So that does give them an advantage over some teams. Um, but you know, what, what do you think about Justin Fields? Obviously not a perfect move either. You know, he's not been the best passer. He, he does bring a lot with his legs and we know Zach Robinson is a former dual threat quarterback from his college days. And he's a big analytics guy. And we know what analytics says about running quarterbacks and how much of a boost they can give your offense. Um, 
So what do you think about Justin Fields? Obviously, there's this, the drama about we're going to have to pay him soon. You know, it, you could probably get through, you know, this year will be cheap, but next year, you know, the fifth year option and then maybe a franchise tag or whatever. So it's not a perfect scenario, but the cost would be lower and it is a young quarterback who could still be improving. I mean, I think Fields is still just what uh, he's like really young, um, 24 now. Is he 24? He's I 24. thought he was 25 at least. He'll be 25 in, in 2024, um, but I think he's current. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this will be his age 25 season yes. coming up. Yeah, that is young. That is yeah. very young, even though he has, you know, it may be a little older on the NFL body given the amount of hits that he's taken right? Uh, yeah. in his first three years with the Bears, so that's also something to consider for sure. Um, but yeah, Justin Fields, a trade for Fields. I think my, my top option, my top preference is trading up in the draft. Mm -hmm. If you cannot do that and you know, I'm not going to sit here ready to tarn feather font, no one or he Morris, if they aren't able to do that because it takes two to tango. Um, you know, maybe the top three teams are like, all right, we want our quarterback. We're not making a trade period. And then, you know, you can't really, you know, you can't really uh, kill their horses and have them wake up uh, in, in their beds with, with their horse heads. Like, <laughs> I guess that's seen from the yeah, Godfather. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding, not unfortunately. We're, we're not planning on farming any animals. No. Um, but if you are not able to do that, I think my top preference would be that move up for fields. It, I would absolutely not give our first round pick um you know he's not worth the eighth overall pick i would try to you know negotiate negotiate that down you know maybe even try to give them you know a, a day to maybe a, a fourth and a future second if you can swing that because like you said the second is high but at the end of the day if, if it is a second you know, I, I would bite that bullet uh, if you really could not trade up uh, for a, a rookie quarterback like a, like a Caleb Williams. Which, you know, spoiler alert, we'll get to that. That is my my number one my number one option. I, I'm it may be your number one option as well. Um, but I would not be against Justin Fields. I think he has very much. I think he's improved since he's gotten into the NFL. I don't think he's ever been really put into a position to succeed with uh, with within that Chicago Bears offense in Atlanta. I think he would have his best offensive line of his career, you know, the best skill position players of his career, should maybe even the best play caller of his career, depending on you know how Robinson looks. Yeah, um, but I I wouldn't be mad at it at all. Um, even though that also is not my quote unquote number one option. Um, personally, I hope the bears stick with fields and, and put that number one overall pick, you know, on the market for, for a trade. But, you know, if we go into next season with Justin Fields under center, it'll be exciting. Uh, he is a hometown kid. Um, and I think this team will be in its best spot at the quarterback position since Matt Ryan. Not not that that's a very high bar. <laughs> yeah. No, to me, like, obviously a trade-up probably for Jaden Daniels, if that could work, is probably my number one choice. 
not you know because i i firmly believe the bears are not trading number one i think the bears are taking a quarterback um i think it's based on everything i heard at the senior bowl everyone thinks that that's basically a foregone conclusion so that has changed in the past the super the senior bowl buzz hasn't always played out exactly as expected like the buzz then was that we were going to get a first for calvin ridley and then you know we all saw how that turned out I mean, well, we but almost did but you know i, then I think we, that the buzz was correct actually but you know yeah, unfortunately i think the happened. eagles were about to and then you know yeah, Calvin Ridley made a FanDuel account, um, yeah, and well, yeah. that sort of killed that yeah, scenario. But yeah, and then, but, I mean, the Eagles dodged a bullet. They ended up yeah. getting AJ Brown for that first round. Exactly. AJ was much better than Calvin. Yeah, so that that was you know the rich get richer with the Eagles there. But um, you know, to me, the fields in terms of what I think is a emerging of most likely and favorite options. You guys know I was Team Justin Fields when he came out of the draft. So my I've always been high on Justin Fields. I still am pretty high on Justin Fields and his potential. He hasn't developed as a passer, I think, as most people would want. But, you know, I think also most people would say that, well, Luke Getze was a bad offensive coordinator. And then he goes and gets a job somewhere else immediately, which is bizarre to me, but whatever. Um, At any rate, I I think Fields gives you a really high floor with his rushing. He's always going to be able to bring that. Um, So I think an offense with Fields and Bijan and, and all that is great. And, you know, Joe, Joe Schmo in the chat brought up a, a good point, you know, that, that I haven't looked into in great detail is that a lot of the passing concepts that fields was so successful with at Ohio state is very similar to what the Rams run. Um, there's parallels there. It could be a good fit for him in Atlanta in this offense. And I know everyone assumes that Zach Robinson is Sean McVay, but I wouldn't assume that. I would assume that there will be a lot of similarities, but you know, I I just think with with Zach Robinson, a former dual threat quarterback and a big analytics guy that knows the value that the running quarterback brings to your offense, may view may like value that higher than Sean McVay does, uh, and and make his offense a little bit more dual threat oriented as opposed to the very very you know pocket passer heavy offense that the Rams run. Um, but at the end of the day, you still need Justin Fields to get better as a passer. That's non-negotiable. You're you're hoping for that. Um, and the da- the downside, obviously, is that it will cost a pick. It won't cost crazy picks like it will it would cost to get into the top three for a quarterback, a rookie quarterback. But it's probably going to take your second round pick, um, which is not. And also, I do just want to address. I, I see the chat was uh, talking about you know possibly Justin Herbert. I, I would trade the house for Justin oh, Herbert. Yeah. Justin would. Herbert yeah. is not available. No. I, I will. No. I, I would give multiple first round picks. Like uh, yeah. I, I would. would. Yeah. I incredibly value Justin Herbert, he, but he's not available. But you know, if for some reason the Chargers were, you know, big enough morons to make him available, uh, I would give them a Godfather offer for Justin Herbert. Like you, yeah. he, he, here's here's a list of our roster you know, go shopping, you know, for whatever player you want. And here's some first rounders as well. Yeah. The reason, part of the reason Jim Harbaugh took that job is because of Justin Herbert. They're the main reason he took that job is, is Justin Herbert. Yeah. Like he's, you he's can not talk about, you know, Chargers nostalgia all you want, but it's because of Justin Herbert. <laughs> he's not, he's not, he's not trading Herbert and drafting McCarthy. Yeah. So I do think that Justin Herbert's not available. Um, but Fields is, is not a perfect option. It has its downsides, right? Like you, you are, it's going to cost a pick. It won't be as high as 
trading up into the top three, but it is probably going to be a second round pick. And then it's going to cost money starting next year. If you pick, I assume if you trade for him, you're picking up the fifth year option. I think that's just kind of how this goes. Like this is, this isn't a Sam Darnold situation where Sam Darnold was never good. Ever. That was just like, like I just yeah. didn't get that either. Like, why would you trade he a second for Darnold and then like, just protect the option? He didn't offer anything as a runner. He wasn't showing any signs of improvement. There was no reason to trade a high pick for him or give him a fifth year option. With Fields, there's like there's a little bit more there with Fields. So I don't like that comparison. I, I think the, the arrow is pointing up with Fields. It was decidedly pointing down and had been in the basement with with Sam Darnold. So, um. I don't really think that's similar, but you know, Fields is one that I like. I do like that one. Um, I know there were a couple other ones that have been floated as possibilities. I know like there was some buzz that maybe Geno Smith could be available via trade. Obviously he's kind of expensive and is probably going to take a decent pick again, probably like a second rounder. I would think for Geno given I'm his not contract, the second for Gino. Yeah. I'm not doing the second. For Gino. Like, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, you know, Fields, sure. Uh, Gino, Gino doesn't do it for me. Yeah, because Gino's older too. You don't have the the long. You don't have the long term development thing. But Gino's further along as a passer, certainly. But um, I agree. I don't think that one's super likely to happen. Um, and then you know, I don't. I don't know that any of the other ones are terribly intriguing. I mean, I know some people have been like, "Oh, what if Dar- Daniel Jones is available?" No, not interested. Um, you know, what if Deshaun Watson's available? Arthur Blake's going to go like <laughs> sprinting over there. No, I don't think that's an option. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, that bridge has been burned from, yeah, from Deshaun yeah. Watson for sure. And hopefully Arthur Blake learned his lesson with that one. Yeah. I know folks are asking about what, about what about trading for like Jake Browning. Jake Browning was fun, but again, he's basically Josh Dobbs in my opinion. Like, you know, it, he hasn't proven much more than Dobbs did. And like, I wouldn't really plan anything around Jake Browning all of a sudden being a good quarterback. He's also an ERFA, which means that the Bengals can get him back for the vet minimum. So I don't really think they have any incentive to trade him unless someone's coming with some crazy offer for him. They don't really like it's in their best interest to just keep him if they think he's a good backup. So I don't think that's very likely. So I, I think clearly that what we're kind of in agreement that the best trade option is probably Justin Fields. So our, our, you know, favorite veteran option, Russell Wilson, favorite trade, like veteran trade option would be Justin Fields. Now let's get to the good stuff with, with the draft. And I know you're very excited about one quarterback in particular. And so I'll let you lead the, lead the charge on that. What, you know, you're a big fan of Caleb Williams. You think getting up to one, if possible, would be the, the ideal. Why, why do you think that? Uh, I, I'm, bu- I'm buying the hype behind Caleb Williams. Like I genuinely think he has, you know, the t- I, I know we throw around the term generational a lot, too much, way too much in sports. Um, you know, the last two generational quarterbacks have been Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence coming out. Lawrence hasn't really hit on those expectations thus far. There's still time, obviously. I think Caleb Williams is that next sort of, you know, generational type prospect. I mean, it, the arm talent is just, absolutely insane the improvisation the mobility uh genuinely like i look at him i do see shades of patrick mahomes he, he, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying caleb williams is guaranteed patrick mahomes that's that's a very high bar that's 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 a lot to put on a young player but i i'm buying the high buying caleb williams like i think he is going to be you know 
a legitimate star player, and I would give I would give a Godfather offer for Caleb Williams. Like I would give them, you know, first rounder next year. If we go by the same, um, and, and I don't know if we were going to talk trade like scenarios, like specifically, but if we use the same um, framework as um, as the Carolina Panthers trade last year. I would absolutely give them obviously eight or first next year or second this year. And then a player like I would, I would throw, I would give them AJ Terrell. I think trade. that would be the one. Yeah, yeah. I think if we're being serious, that's probably yeah. the one. Um, yeah. Lo- like, don't get me wrong. I love AJ Terrell. Yeah. Uh, I don't love how much they're about to pay AJ Terrell. Uh, if they really want to keep him long-term, but if it's for a franchise quarterback, I'm not really hesitating there. Um, but yeah, like, and I, I don't give a fuck that he paints his nails, but like, <laughs> no, I know I that yeah. I, I know that some people are going to like, be like, Oh, you know, but what about this? What about like, I, I don't, I don't care. Like, I, I don't care that he paints his nails. I don't care. You know, that USC didn't go undefeated. Like this dude has the talent to be the guy and any rookie quarterback is going to come into one of the ideal scenarios in Atlanta. And, you know, I know there's some attitude, like concerns off the field issues. I I don't care. The the talent is too much. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And then Joe Schmo, you know, he's Joe asking, you know, why does everybody fall in love with that off schedule stuff that the, the, and the, and the traits rather than the on schedule stuff. It's because it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's exciting. It's it's beautiful. You know, it's 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 great. Like I don't blame anyone for getting excited about. No, that no, no. The on schedule stuff definitely matters more. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that Caleb Williams like is bad at that, but if a quarterback, when everything breaks down, can still make a play for you, that that just gives you you know an extra advantage in a sport where the margin for error is just so little. Like the Kansas City Chiefs have won a lot. And, you know, a lot of their success has been from, you know, Patrick Mahomes just going out there and making a play, like making something happen. Like how many times has Patrick Mahomes, you know, gone out there and scrambled for 17 yards when they need 16? Like it's it's felt absolutely insane. And I know like I'm using the word Pat Mahomes a lot here, but (laughs) – you know, the the off-schedule stuff is still a, a very big plus, you know, especially what, when you're talking about, you know, a generation, an era in the NFL where you're looking for any slight advantage possible because every single, you know, every franchise is so analytical and every everyone is so good at this now. Yeah. Like, it, it's everyone is good at this like every franchise has access to the math every franchise has the means like they have invested in this like any small any small advantage is huge more yeah. so now than yeah i mean i i totally get it with, with caleb williams you know I, he's gonna be the first quarterback taken it seems like people are pretty certain of that um i'm not saying it's realistic because you know no. the bears I think, would be dumb to make that uh, first overall pick available. But, you know, I'm talking about ideal, uh, ideal scenarios here. Yeah. And like, you know, so, so yes, like I, I think your top choice is to trade for Caleb. If number one becomes available, I don't blame you at all. I, I think the Falcons would be interested in that. 
if it were to happen. I think a lot of teams would be, so the price is going to be extravagant, like you said. The Falcons are obviously well-positioned already being in the top 10. Um, you know, their biggest competition would probably be like the Giants, um, who are picking at six. So the Giants might have a slight advantage there if they want to make that kind of move. But I don't blame you one bit for that. I, I think it would be exciting. I think it would be, you know, getting that top rookie quarterback is the best way forward. I agree. Um, but with with everything that I believe to know, which is not very much, but, you know, Take, take, take it all with a grain of salt. But with everything that I've heard and, and believe at this stage, the Bears are not trading number one, and they will take Caleb Williams. So assuming that option's off the table, our next option would be trading to number two with the Commanders. Again, doesn't seem like they're interested at all in trading that pick. They're happy to get either Drake May or Caleb Williams, whoever whoever the, the Bears don't take. So that brings us then to number three, where it becomes a little bit more interesting because the, the Patriots do technically have a quarterback on a rookie contract at Mac Jones, who was not good this year, but is still relatively cheap and did have good a good t- you know season as recently as 2021. Maybe they think it was a, a clash with the old head coach, you know, whatever. Maybe they decide Mac Jones is okay. Mac Jones is good enough, and they and they would ha- be happy taking Marvin Harrison Jr. Patriots, Mac Jones is great. Like yeah. you know, keep him. <laughs> yes. You know, personally, um, this is my. My uh, my endorsement, you know, as a former first overall, I think he won a national title out of Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a former national champion, right former there. Former national champion. Former, uh, not yet. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a Nick Saban product. You know, you know how good. Hey, that man was coached by both Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah. So, on the off chance that the Patriots do take Marvin Harrison Jr., which is the only other player they're probably considering there, then. If 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 Jane Daniels does not go three, then you have a chance to get a quarterback. But that's the only way that you have a chance to get a rookie that's worthy of that sort of pick, in my opinion. And and if Jane Daniels gets to four, there will be a mad dash for that pick. I expect the Falcons will make it clear to the Cardinals that they are interested well before the draft. If that were to play out, that would probably still be expensive. But the buzz is that Jaden Daniels is very much viewed as a top five caliber quarterback and will go in the top five. He's not going to fall. So if he makes it to four, that's probably my favorite choice of all, but will he make it there? Probably not a great chance. And then if he does, you still have to make the trade. And that brings up another question of, are you going to wait until the draft to, to get an option at quarterback? Because if you wait, until the draft to see if Jaden Daniels falls enough for you to get up to that pick. Now, there's also the slight chance that maybe the Patriots know they don't want to take a quarterback and they are willing to trade. So you could make a trade with the Patriots before the draft for three. And then you might know, okay, we can get our guy at three. That could be another slight chance that I just want to talk, like bring into the conversation, but I think that's unlikely. Um, so I think if you can get Jane Daniels by trading up to four, that's probably my favorite option because it costs a little bit less than going up to one. You still get a top quarterback prospect um, that's you know on a rookie contract and all the good things you want, but it would be less expensive. Um, so that's probably my top choice. What, what do you think about getting Jane Daniels in a trade up to either three or four? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm all in. Like I, I'm all for it. Like obviously, you know, I love Caleb Williams, but you know, for ranking it, my like, you know, 
desire, hypothetical pipe dream, whatever you want to call it, that would be one, two would be, you know, what you just laid out. Like uh, I'm, I'm all in for getting Daniels out for, I think Daniels is, you know, the second best prospect in this, in this draft. Uh, I, I value him over Drake may. Um, so yeah. And, and like you said, it would not be as expensive. I think it would because it's a quarterback and because it's a bidding war, you would still have to give your first rounder next year. Yeah. Like I, I don't think that there's any delusions about, Oh, I'll give them a couple day two picks. Like that's, it's not going to be enough. I know trading from eight to four in a vacuum, it wouldn't cost that much. But if it's a quarterback in question, that's there's a quarterback tax, you know, in, in any trade up. Um, so, but that would be a really strong offer too. Like eight this year and a first and a one next year. Like you're getting a one next year to drop back four picks, and then you know you could still be the Cardinals in a position to take someone like a Malik Neighbor. Um, yeah. at Aiden to pair to pair him with Kyler Murray, um, but you, you know that's that that's that, that's a, a, another conversation for that bridge if we cross it because yeah. we may not cross it at all because exactly. yeah. you know, it's all moot. Like top three quarterbacks could be gone, top three picks. In which case, I'm not interested in uh, in the other quarterbacks in this draft. Um, yeah. other than top three. Yep. Like I'm yeah. not interested in Penix at eight, I'm not interested in Bonix at eight. Like I'll, I, I feel like I'll be really upset if they if they draft one of those guys at eight. At that point, I think you know one of the non-quarterback position guys that you get at eight will be very very valuable. Um, you know, I, I've talked about my admiration for Law too, uh, whom I think is the best edge in this draft. I, I would. I wouldn't be mad at all at taking him at eight. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see when we get there. It's just all we can do is talk in hypotheticals because it's February. Free agency hasn't even happened yet. This is like literally the first conversation, guys. So don't don't take anything we're saying as gospel. A lot of parts are going to have, at this point, like none of the parts, none of the the dice have been rolled. None of the parts are in place. So we're, we're very much looking at every single option. But, you know, I, I do think, if if Jaden Daniels gets to four, that the Falcons will be one of the most aggressive teams in, in getting up there. Um, it, it might take like I I would be willing to go as high as you know number eight next year's first, and then like if they had to throw in one of our two thirds to get it done this year, you probably have to do it. Um, but I think if you're willing to go there, you're probably gonna get get it done. So we'll see. Um. You know, and at that point, I think the only team that could really get in front of the Falcons would be like the the Giants because they're closer. So if the Cardinals are really eyeing one of those receivers, and they're like, okay, we can't leave the draft without Neighbors or Odunze, because at, in this scenario, Marvin Harrison went three, so they might only want to go down to six. So that could make it a little bit dicier. But I, I do think I would I would be pretty happy with. Uh, with getting up to four, if it only cost a first two firsts and, and maybe one of our third round picks this year, the the later one, ideally, you know, that might be what it costs, but that would be, I think a decent trade. Um, maybe you could get like a day three pick back from the Cardinals too, to, to get you some more picks this year. But um, that would be interesting. And then the, the last option, like you said, the other quarterbacks in this draft, 
the Falcons are in a situation where they're probably not taking any developmental quarterbacks because they already have Ritter. They don't really need to take another one. Ritter's kind of already their developmental quarterback. Um, and as we've seen, he needs more development. So we don't really need to throw more developmental quarterbacks into the mix. I agree with you. I, I think the Senior Bowl was the opportunity for Bo Nix and Michael Penix to stake their claim to being like a top 10 option or at least a top half of the first round type of option. And they didn't. They didn't really do it. They looked like good quarterback prospects. They didn't look like franchise quarterback prospects. Penix is is good, but he's got a lot of questions. You know, he's got a lot of questions. He's not going to go in the top 15 because of... And Bo Nix is just limited. Like, what he does, he does well, but he's limited. He's not... He's going to be a guy you have to build an offense to accommodate, and I just don't think anyone... I think he's a high-end backup. That's my opinion on Bo Nix. I think he's he's like a... I mean, Baker Mayfield might be a good comp for him. You know, his arm's not as good as Mayfield, certainly, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe that type of high-end backup bridge starter type of guy. Uh, of course, Baker Mayfield went in the top, you know, one of the draft. Bo Nix is not that level as a prospect, but maybe... That's where they end up in terms of the same thing. But, you know, and and like you said, you don't really have any interest in, in Bo Nix or, or Michael Penix. What if they were there in the second round? Mm, I have, I don't know. That's more of a conversation. Um, but I feel like if Penix is there in the second round, it'll be He's probably be because, yeah. yeah, it'll probably be, be because the medicals aren't, you know, what, what most teams hope that they'll be in which case, you, you know, I think if he, if he falls out of the first, he, he may keep continue dropping. Yeah, exactly. But regarding Bo, I, I don't have any interest in Bo Nix like at all. He's just limited. Um, yeah, like, I think he's a high end backup. Yeah. I think he's, I think he can be a very good NFL backup. I think he can be a guy that can come in and win games for you but I don't think he's ever going to be someone that a team is like building around. Um, and I know a lot of people like JJ McCarthy. He's all tools right now. Um, you know, McCarthy probably has the potential and the, the age, you know, he's like 20. He's got the traits and the age and all that. I just, I don't really, uh, I'm not that interested. Um, I don't think he's going to make it to round two. I think he'll be the one that goes first out of this other crop of quarterbacks because he's like 20 and has the, the cannon arm and, you know, the traits. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm not super interested. I don't really think that, that he'll be much of an option. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of our that's sort of our, our, our options, guys. Um, and, and our favorites, just so you guys know, in terms of veteran market, we're, we're – if the Falcons go the veteran route, we're sort of thinking maybe Russell Wilson because of his lower price might be the most interesting of those options in terms of the veteran trade market. Justin Fields would be our choice because of his age and his potential to grow. And also the cost is not as crazy as some other options in this, in this scenario in terms of the draft Adnan is big on to trying to get up to one for Caleb Williams. If we can't do that, trying to get up to four for Jaden Daniels, probably the next best option. And if we can't do that, then we're just going to pass and, and hope that we got some other option before the draft happened. Um, and that's that's pretty much the options, uh, as far as we know. Now, things will change. Things can happen. There are and, still, Yeah, there are still donations to be read, guys. Don't worry. We're just recapping real quick. Yeah, yeah, but but also, you just never know. Like, there's always stuff 
the NFL is so crazy, right? Like the NFL offseason is so insane. There's always some stuff that could happen that's just that are just unexpected. Like, you know, who who knows? Like maybe some veteran quarterback ends up on the market. Like nobody saw Russell Wilson getting traded like a, a few offseasons ago when the Broncos didn't make that move. Maybe one of these veteran quarterbacks end up, you know, ends up on the trade market, in which case I'm pretty sure the Falcons will be very interested. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, Brandon, absolutely, it does tie in because Brandon's question was, what if the Falcons went ahead and and signed Russ and then made a trade-up for Daniels to sit behind him and learn? You know, I think that's unlikely, but it wouldn't be the worst idea because, again, like with with Jaden Daniels, you're probably not getting that done before the draft. So, if you're hoping that that's going to pan out and you've brought in no other options prior to that, you're probably we're probably really sweating on draft night. Like, what the hell are they going to do? They don't have anyone else in here. We're just hoping that we can get Daniels. That Daniels falls. Um, but all the other teams will also yes. know that too. Yes, but. Like, yes, but if we did get Russell Wilson, then maybe we would be that sort of stealth team that everyone's like, oh, well, the Falcons got Russell Wilson, they're not interested. And then we sort of swoop in out of nowhere and get Jaden Daniels. I mean, it's not a terrible idea because, again, like, they're probably not waiting until the draft, unless they're getting up to one or to three. They're not waiting until the draft to to, to get some kind of answer for quarterback. Um, because, it, again, they don't. they would have no other options if it doesn't work out they're gonna bring in some veteran at yes, the very least. at the very like there, there's gonna be like a Dobbs or a Minshew I, I'd be shocked if on draft night your quarterback room consists of Ritter and you know blank and, and like that's it because yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Heineke will probably be a cap casualty long before then yeah, exactly. So they need to get some kind of veteran option before the draft, unless they're getting to one or three. But other than that, you know, it, it it's going to be dicey. But yeah, I mean, it's possible they could do that, Brandon. Again, I don't think it's super, super likely just because if you get Russell Wilson, you're probably like, okay, let's see how this goes for a year. And we're going to try again next year to see if we can get a more favorable setup to trade up for a rookie. But I think the Falcons get Russell Wilson. People, Some people might be like, oh, okay, they've got a quarterback. They're all good. No, I think like that is a bridge move that they are working to get the next quarterback. But they're like, well, we've got something, so we can tread water for a year or two if we need to. But we're going to – so that's basically them saying we don't think that we can get the solution right now. We've looked at all the options. We've, we've examined the market all that stuff. And we don't think we can get the quarterback of the future right now. But what we can do is get a guy like Russell Wilson, who is going to be able to shepherd this team into probably playoff contention and be better than in years past. And that'll be enough for right now. We're doing something to move the team in a positive direction. Maybe, maybe, you know, flirting with the playoffs, maybe win a playoff game, get the team some experience, get things going in the right direction. And then they're, they're going to try to, make an aggressive move for a quarterback next year or the year after, you know, but they're, they're not done if they get Russell Wilson, I guess. And I know Noah C adds that he doesn't want Russ uh, at all. So, yeah, I mean, I know that that player and fit and cost is all a big point of contention. So we'll have to see, first of all, does he get cut? How much is he going to cost? There's a lot of questions that go into whether Russell Wilson would make sense here at all, but um, 
Ulysses Ventura says uh, with the two dollars, Josh Rosen Falcons legend. Yeah, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I never forget pick six against the Patriots. Oh god! I, I had him. I had the Patriots defense starting a fantasy that night. I actually really enjoyed that game. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yep. Um, and then we got Christopher Carr with five dollars here. Thanks, Christopher. He says, trade this year's fourth to Dallas for Trey Lance. Maybe give him a year under Zach and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, go all in on Shadur Sanders next year. I mean, like, you know, that could be what, like, we're very hopeful right now that they can get some kind of move done and and get an answer. But there's a very decent chance that they can't get a good answer. So trying to make a move for Trey Lance to, like, see if we can get something out of him for a year would not be the worst idea I've ever heard. It's just, like, it's not a high chance of success, but... It's something. It, they can't. They're not gonna just trot Ritter out there. I guarantee that. That would be career suicide. So they can't do that. Now maybe they get someone like a Trey Lance, and they're like, okay, we're gonna have a competition. We'll see. And like, if Ritter wins that competition fair and square, not just handed on a silver platter with no competition, then that's okay, fine. But like, you know, like Trey Lance was. The 49ers traded up to three. They had all the reason in the world to have full belief in Trey Lance. And even they were like, okay, like this guy is not it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean, that was going Kyle. back to school. He's not coming out this year. Um, but, um, Adnan's number one Falcons QB is Felipe Franks. Yeah, I mean, that's just hey, fact. Right? I forgot about Felipe Franks. <laughs> is he still it'll, the it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Felipe Franks, what happens with Felipe Franks with Arthur Smith, not here anymore. Because, you know, we, we know Arthur Smith loved Felipe Franks. Yeah, is he even is he under contract? I don't think he is. We need him back for camp. He's not. He's not under contract. Oh! No. <laughs> so, unfortunately, you know, Felipe Franks, RIP the dream. But uh, I, I kind of don't expect him to be back. But, you know... Can never rule it out. No, Felipe Franks is going to Pittsburgh. You guys know this, okay? This, the, oh, you, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. That's right. That's a he's good going point. to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Parker Hussey's already there. Yeah, he's already backed his bags. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, guys, uh, I, I think that pretty much covers it for tonight. We got through all, all the main options. There will be other stuff that pops up. This will not be the last word on quarterback and all the options. Unexpected things happen every year. Unexpected guys become available. Teams do crazy stuff, stuff that doesn't make any sense. That could very well happen at any time, so keep your eyes open. But we'll cover all of it. We'll talk about all of it on here on the Falcoholic Live. Just just keep your, your eyes and your ears here, and we'll, we'll keep you guys informed on everything as it happens. But we're just getting started on this offseason. It's literally the Senior Bowl is kind of the kickoff after the Super Bowl. Really, it starts to ramp up as we get closer to free agency and the combine and all that stuff. So uh, we've got a long way to go. This is just the first step, and this is the most important question. So we'll have to see how it all goes. But man, George with the late donation here. What's up, George? Welcome. Says, I don't necessarily want a reclamation project, but what would you guys think of giving a retread a shot like a Zach Wilson? Sorry I'm late. I'm out in Cali and just got off. That's okay. I mean, I'm not really interested in Zach Wilson. Um, I, I think they would have to do more than that. I I think they would have, they're going to have to do more than that. Like, I think the minimum they could do without fans completely riding would be like a Gardner Minshew, Josh Dobbs, Jacoby Brissett type guy. And I think fans would not be happy at all with that. Uh, but that would like stave off imminent rebellion, at least initially. 
But um, I think Zach Wilson would be like, yeah, that would be riots in the streets. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, enjoy Cali, George. Yeah, enjoy Cali. Yeah, George flexed on us with the Cali there. No, same, sure. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, is that going to include a trip down to Vegas for Sunday, George? <laughs> yeah, could see if we can make it work at this point. But um, yeah, guys, appreciate everyone for for tuning in with us tonight. Thank you all for spending your your Wednesday night with us. Uh, I will have a mock draft coming officially. I believe it will be launching Friday. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It'll be our, our first uh, mock draft with the exact draft order, pending, of course, whether Ridley's pick becomes the second or not. But um, definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, check out the channel memberships. Check out the Patreon if you're interested in getting those exclusive perks and support the show. We appreciate that. Also, of course, uh, like, subscribe if you're watching here on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening on your podcast platform of choice. Um, and before we sign off, I want to thank, of course, Bet Online for sponsoring tonight's show. And also, of course, my co-host, Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you would like to plug before we sign off? Uh, I'm just plugging the Falcoholic.com, uh, your one-stop shop on everything uh, Falcons related, you know, we're about to really get into it after the Super Bowl. So, you know, hey, also did a whole show, whole hour and 10 minutes, did not mention the Super Bowl once. So, yeah, who, who's your pick to win, to win the Super Bowl? Chiefs. Kyle Shanahan can't get over the hump. Yeah. Am I a little bit better? You know, maybe, but. It's not even the Cal Shanahan thing. It's just that I'm I'm taking Mahomes. Over I can't 30. pick against Mahomes. I'm sorry. Like you know, the Ra- like if the Ravens couldn't beat this team, like I mean, I'd, you know. Also, I mean, like I know the the Bucks won. They did beat the Chiefs, but I think that that was a that would have been a different result if the Chiefs weren't missing their entire offensive line. So yeah, I, I think Mahomes is just very special when it comes to big moments. Yeah, he. Like, you know, maybe Travis Kelsey was a fantasy disappointment. He's not going to be a disappointment this weekend, folks. I guarantee that. So that man's going to catch 11 passes for like 200 yards and three touchdowns. Like That's just the way it goes. That man was just gearing up for the playoffs. Yeah. Like he was load managing. He was season. getting the, yeah, he was getting the Bijan treatment, but like actually it made sense because they were actually going to make the Super Bowl instead of the Falcons who didn't even make the playoffs. So and we were saving him. They were saving him for the Super Bowl. And so Great job. Hey, they saved you for the next coach. There you go. They saved him for Hawaii. Yeah, I was like, oh, if he makes the Pro Bowl, that joke will work really well. No, unfortunately. And the Pro Bowl is also in Orlando now, I think, so that the Hawaii thing doesn't even work. But, you know, we're, we're trying our best. But, guys, yeah. thank you. I'm also going Chiefs. Yes, yes, Chiefs. Yeah. And and if, you know, if the 49ers do it and Shanahan finally gets that dub, you know, good for him. Um, I'm really not bitter at Shanahan. I mean, I, I you know, I'm over it at this stage. I did, I did go out to dinner on uh, Saturday. And they were playing the Super Bowl in the place I went to eat. And I was like, oh, my God, that game's on. <laughs> so I had to ch- turn my chair to not look at it. You know, The game itself, like, if I see a clip of it, it doesn't hurt me anymore. But I'm not just going to – I'm not going to sit there and watch that game ever. Like, that's not going to happen. So Yeah. You know. I mean, I personally – I blame, like, three other guys more than I blame Shanahan for that uh, – yeah. for the end of that Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, like, I've never been as bitter at, at Shanahan about it, but – you know, it's not – that's not the reason I'm picking against them. I'm picking against them because they don't have a quarterback. Or no disrespect to Cody, but he is – like, I don't know how people were getting mad at Cam Newton for calling him a game manager. Like, 
that is the definition of what Brock Purdy is. They were very lucky to beat the last two teams they played. Like they were, they need like the, the lines collapsed. <laughs> and then, you know, before that, like even he was having his worst game of, of the season. So I, I just think Purdy's not going to live up to it this week. Um, it's my personal take. And the Chiefs defense is really good. Like, this is no longer like a Chiefs team that's like, oh, it's going to be Mahomes covering up the defense's problem. No, the defense is like really good. Um, so they're going to yeah. make life hell. This is, yeah. I think this is like the best defense Mahomes has ever had. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, guys, thank you all so much for hanging out with us tonight. We'll have lots more content coming your way, starting with that mock draft. We're going to get into some free agency talk, some cap space analysis, all that. Eric will be on next week uh to, to make up for you know disappointing us all tonight so so keep your eyes out for that appearance and we'll have lots of great guests of course coming over the remainder of the off season but we're just getting geared up here uh, a lot of hope once again got a new regime in here maybe a new start at quarterback hopefully definitely a new start at quarterback but we'll get there guys we'll get there together as always thank you for tuning into the falcoholic live we'll see you guys next time have a great night folks